Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to the Science of Success. Introducing your host, Matt Bodner. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Science of Success, the number one evidence-based growth podcast on the internet with over 5 million downloads and listeners in over 100 countries. My name is Austin Fable, and I'm really excited to bring you this interview today. Today, we're going to interview Blake Mykoski. We're going to dig into his journey of founding several companies, most notably Tom's Shoes and his latest endeavor, Made For. We dig into the science of how small tweaks in your routine can lead to huge impacts and some of the most impactful habits and routines Blake and his team have uncovered and how you can really find true and sustainable happiness in life. Are you a fan of the show? If so, do me a favor and go to www.successpodcast.com and sign up for our email list. You can sign up right on the homepage. We're going to give you a lot of goodies in the email list, including a free course we put a ton of time into called How to Create Time for What Matters Most in Your Life, as well as our weekly newsletter, Mindset Monday. And we're going to keep you up to date on all things going on here at the Science of Success. Are you on the go? Are you on your phone right now? Just pull it right out and text SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to 44222, and that will sign you up immediately. In our previous episode, we dug into the science of decision-making and thinking with best-selling author Ozan Verol. Ozan and I went into how you can pivot your life and dig into his incredible life story, including being a part of the team that sent the first rovers to Mars. And also how you can question your assumptions and really challenge your own opinions to make sure you're thinking like a rocket scientist. And now, on to my interview with Blake. Blake, welcome to the Science of Success. Hey, Austin. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Well, I really appreciate the time. It's great to have you on. As I was telling you kind of before we started digging into just all of your past work, uh, obviously Tom's huge, made for, going to be huge, continuing to grow, but there's just so much to unpack there from your life and just the different entrepreneurial journeys. It was just so fascinating to learn about you. So I'd like to kind of start, just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, touch on some of your past endeavors and really kind of what led you down this path of founding Tom's and then eventually made for? 
Yeah, well, I grew up in Arlington, Texas, and my kind of earliest passion in life was I was a very competitive tennis player. And I think a lot of my entrepreneurial success actually comes from the self-discipline and just like focus that I had as a very competitive young tennis player. And also tennis being an individual sport, I think was a great precursor to being an entrepreneur because you didn't have a team to fall back on. And and that's one of the things that you hear a lot about entrepreneurial life is it can be quite lonely because you are the person who's responsible for calling most of the shots. And so I, for the first, you know, from age 10 to basically 20, tennis was my entire life. And then I then shifted over to becoming an entrepreneur in my early 20s. And that's what has characterized most of my life since then. So when you look at Founding Toms, tell us kind of how that got started. And did you always know you wanted to start a company that was going to have a social kind of give back component to it? Or was that something that kind of evolved as the journey went on? Yeah, the question itself is really interesting because I don't think you would have asked that question 13 years ago because people weren't talking about businesses with social components. (laughs) So when I started Toms, there was no real concept of a conscious capitalism or a social business. I mean, it's hard to believe now because it's so important and so woven into the fabric of entrepreneurship and business. Mm -hmm. But when I started Tom's, that wasn't even a concept. So if you can go back to that mindset, when I started Tom's, I wasn't even thinking that I was really building a business. I just knew that I saw many children around the world, specifically in South America, where I was at the time, who were living in in great poverty so much that they couldn't afford a simple pair of shoes. At the same time, I discovered this really great shoe in Argentina that all my friends who were polo players and, you know, and their girlfriends were wearing around town. And I just kind of put the two ideas together. I thought these are really cool shoes. I could sell them. I think the style's cool. I've never seen anything like this in the U.S. But I think what would be the coolest way to do it is I could sell a pair in the U.S. and then come back and give a pair to all these kids I've been seeing, you know, in the streets and in some of these neighborhoods who don't have a simple pair of shoes. And so it really was just more of a, a kind of a what if or this would be fun or we called it the the Shoes for Tomorrow project. And it really wasn't until the shoes kind of got noticed by the fashion community and and I'd even say kind of the Brooklyn hipsters, if you will, that it started to grow so fast that I realized, whoa, this could actually be a business and help a lot of people. And then it was later that academics and journalists started labeling what I was doing as a social enterprise or conscious capitalism or all this, but I never really self-labeled at that at all. It's so interesting too, you know, just to bring up the point 13 years ago, that wouldn't even be a question. And I know you've spoken in the past about how social media was kind of on the rise at this time too. So like the visibility into doing the right thing and kind of building out this social aspect to a business, you know, was really amplified by a lot of that, but really it was cutting edge at the time. And now you just see, you know, it's, it's everywhere. I think Warby Parker does something similar, the one for one kind of model, but it's really kind of set the standard for, especially in the world of of social consumerism too, right? People want to know that the companies that they're giving their money are doing something to help the community at large. And so it's just so fascinating how it it was kind of something that wasn't really planned ahead of time, but quickly evolved into something that was just a huge win-win, not only for you entrepreneurially, but also just for the world at large and the people that you were trying to help. 
Yeah, I know. It's, it's truly one of the things that I'm sure I'll look back at the end of my life on and be most grateful for, because it's not just the fact that Tom's has now given 96 million children a pair of shoes, which is a, a number that's hard to believe, Amen. or you know, 600,000 people that we've given eyesight to through our eye program, but it's all the hundreds and thousands of businesses that have incorporated and emulated our business model and all the good that they've done. And so that's what I really, you know, when I'm being reflective and thinking about impact, that's what I really like to think about. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely something, something worth looking back and being very proud of. There's so much I want to dig into too, and it was hard to kind of narrow some of these down. I mean, everything just from novel things like being on The Great Escape to like changing the way advertising works on buildings in Nashville. I do want to dig into Made For, but I'm going to table that kind of to have its own section of this interview. But it's funny looking at everything like on your resume and that you've done, it, there's been so many different things. Like I said, the great escape, changing advertising in Nashville, dry cleaning in college when you were at SMU. But it always has kind of seemed like you've really had a, a stable kind of why. Like you understand that they're like the why behind what you're doing. I mean, even look at what you did with gun control. I mean, it's incredible and it's admirable. How do you recommend someone go out and try to find their own why and try to find their own purpose. Cause there's really no roadmap or something like that. Right. But if you want to work in a job or do something that you enjoy every day, it's important to find that. And in some ways it's kind of a selfish question for me, because I feel like in certain phases of life, my why can completely change, right? It's almost like a seasonal type thing. How do you go about recommending sure. someone find that? Well, a couple things. I mean, first is I know we're going to get into Made For later, but that's actually where the name Made For came from, was that we believe that at some point in our life, we all ask this question, what am I made for? And that's hmm. very much connected to what is my why? And while you say there's not a roadmap, I would say that we have found some very systematic ways to help people get there because I think a lot of people wallow in this kind of moment of hoping that their big why is just going to become this epiphany that kind of smacks them in the head one day and gives them all this clarity and purpose. But it actually takes some work to get there. And so I'll just give you a few key things that I think have helped me. And some of this is actually integrated into the Made For program. And the first thing is, is most businesses have a mission statement that became very popular in the 80s and has continued on. And almost every new company has some pretty clear articulation of why they're in business. But very few humans have personal mission statements. Hmm. Or if they do, they don't necessarily have them like plastered up in their kitchen that they read every single morning and recommit to. And so I am a big believer in developing a personal or I would even say a family mission statement because a family mission statement helps define the culture of how you're going to raise your children and how you're going to conduct your family. And the best way to get to a family mission statement or a personal mission statement is actually first to do the work of identifying your core values. And so we have a process with Made For that is very specific about really looking at long list of words and seeing which words really really connect to you in your gut. And there's all this science now around how your gut, this feeling of a gut feeling is actually quite intelligent that you intuitively know like, oh, this word means something to me. Now I could go down a full rabbit hole 
of my spiritual beliefs and how I think that there's reasons why a certain word might really resonate with you based on what your purpose is and why you came to this earth to work through that purpose. Mm -hmm. But even if you don't believe any of that stuff, there's just people will say, oh, grace, that word really somehow means or courageous. Oh, yeah, that feels right to me. I want to be courageous. But they might not want to be brave. So for whatever reason, words matter. And so in order to get to your purpose and your why and ultimately your mission statement, what I like to do is take people through this exercise, which we do with Made For, where we really help you identify words that just feel right to you, which ultimately become your core values. And then through your core values, you derive your ultimate mission statement. So my mission statement in life is to live a courageous life with grace and moderation. And this podcast is probably not the place to go through dissecting that. But those are very specific words that some people might not attest with me or think like, oh, I don't see that. But it all makes sense to me because then it goes into my core values and the way that I operate my life. But I think that it is so important and it is such a proven technique for kind of personal well-being and and mental health to have that clear mission statement and those core values because then you can orient the way that you spend your time around that. And there's nothing more satisfying than dedicating and feeling like your time spent every day is aligned with the values that you set. And that's, once again, why we named it Made For after doing a lot of work around that. Yeah, such an incredibly powerful exercise. And and working on my own mission statement has honestly been kind of a personal journey for me and something that I kind of have to really, really drilled down on. And I think I'm going to give this a stab tonight and just see what I can't come up with. I've, I've never really sat down and done the exercise of thinking through just words that really hit me in the gut, but it seems like a pretty nice and really kind of intuitive place to start. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and go there then. So tell us the story of what led you to Made For. It sounds kind of like you were a little bit adrift. I mean, you sold off 50% of Tom's. I've kind of read a bunch of articles. You adopted mountain climbing and race car driving, and there was a lot of kind of things going on there that ultimately led you to Made For. Share with us a little bit of that story, and then let's dig into more about Made For. Sure. So, you know, I sold half of Tom's in 2014, and that was a very big moment in my life. You know, I grew up with kind of middle class, upper middle class family. But I mean, I really bootstrapped Tom's. I had no investors. Every penny kind of went back into building Tom's. And then I got to a place where I built this company that had half a billion in sales and was helping tens of millions of people a year. And I recognized that I didn't want the pressure of owning 100% anymore and that I really wanted to bring in some partners and to help me grow the business. So really selling half a Tom's was not about getting a liquidity event, but more bringing in the right partners to help grow the mission. Mm -hmm. Now, at that same time, I made $350 million dollars which is more money than I would ever spend and that I could ever imagine. And so I pledged about half of that money to go back to helping social entrepreneurs and then growing their businesses. And I've invested in over 30 businesses since that with that fund and have a lot of dry powder to continue to do so. But most people would say, oh my gosh, like you now have just this incredible wealth. You have a family, you have friends, you've been celebrated as kind of changing the way that we do business. Like you must have been at your all time happiest. And I will say that for about a year, a year and a half, the buzz of all that 
really carried me through and really did give me a deep sense of feeling of happiness and excitement. And that's when I started mountain climbing and got in great shape and race car driving and all these things <laughs> that I'd always kind of dreamed of, but never had the time or money to do. Well, that led to about 2016 when kind of the music stopped, as I like to say. And you can only do so much of these activities and then ultimately some of their glimmer and shine wear off. And where I found myself was I didn't feel like I had real purpose. I had neglected a lot of my kind of physical and mental hygiene, if you will. I was just kind of jumping from one exciting thing to the next. But the biggest thing I realized was, and this was a hard realization to have, is everything that was basically contributing to my happiness or well-being was an external thing. It was an accomplishment. It was an accolade. It was a new race car. It was a kid. It was a wife. I mean, all these things aren't bad, but all of my joy and contentment and well-being was coming from external factors. And ultimately, I realized that that was never going to really fulfill me on a consistent and sustainable way. And so I got diagnosed with mild depression. I had trouble getting out of bed some. I was really kind of in a dark place. And luckily, the way that I'm wired is I don't stay in those places for very long because I'm very productive. I'm very proactive. I'm very entrepreneurial. And so I kind of took my entrepreneurial thinking to my own mental and physical health and said, okay, hold on. I've done everything that my parents and society told me to do. And I kind of feel like shit. So clearly I missed something here. <laughs> and so I'm going to start looking at who feels great, who's thriving, who's well, who's really reporting senses of well-being and not just based on what they say on a podcast, but actually what has been scientifically proven. I really became obsessed with science and were there laboratories that were studying people who were having high energy levels and sense of contentment. And what I found was there were and a lot of it was residing in this fast growing space of neuroscience. And so I ended up meeting a gentleman named Andrew Huberman, who runs a lab at Stanford in neuroscience department. I also met a gentleman named Pat Dossett, who became my business partner in Made For. And Pat was a Navy SEAL for nine years. And when I met him, he had this deep fascination and drive to help all humans live better through what he had learned in the SEALs and also what he thought science could teach us. And so that was the beginning of me going on a personal journey to try to feel better and to have a more predictable, sustainable way to kind of live with the challenges of modern living. And so through Andrew's guidance, I started to learning a lot about neuroscience. And what I found was that these simple habits and practices that certain people have found a way to integrate and sustain in their life actually changed the neuropathways and really provided the insulation from the challenges of modern living. And so Andrew started introducing me and Pat to different scientists all over the country, some who specialized in sleep, others who specialized in human connection, others who really looked at how the body can move and how you can get older and avoid most of the typical aches and pains that people experience. And I just got so excited. And so I just dove deep into this. I mean, I had a lot of free time on my hands. And so Pat and I went and met with so many of these scientists and, and we started implementing and experimenting these things with ourselves. 
And no surprise here, I started feeling so much better. And it had nothing to do with any external things. It was all these internal practices that I was experimenting with with myself. And so much that, and this is where I think my kind of way I'm wired is to try to help people is that as soon as I started feeling better, I was like, Pat, we have to get this information out of these labs and away from just scientists and get these to every person that we know and people that we don't know. I mean, I see so much suffering going on in the United States with so many people on antidepressants and so many people having to take sleep aids and young people reporting highest levels of anxiety and stress. And mm. and that just really hurts to see in my own backyard and you know, in my coworkers at Tom's. I mean, I see this and I experienced some of this myself. So how can we get this out there? And so we spent whole summer thinking of different things. We thought of like having like a, a center of excellence where people could come and learn, but we realized that would be too expensive for people and wouldn't scale. We looked at all different types of models and ultimately we came up with, let's identify the practices and habits that have the biggest impact with the least amount of effort. Because we really know that people are busy. They have a lot of stuff already on their plate and it's really hard to add one more thing. Our goal was actually to find 12 things. We thought, you know, just from a packaging, marketing, presentation standpoint, a year-long program where you learn one new thing each month just felt right. Hmm. But the science actually told us otherwise. And if you ever meet my business partner, Pat, I don't know if this comes from his military background or whatever, but he is a total no bullshit guy. <laughs> and so like he was not going to squeeze out 12 when science only showed us that there were 10. Yeah. So the Made For program is only 10 months. And each month we teach you in a very specific way how to learn a new habit or practice that can transform your life. And most importantly, how to sustain it. And so we developed this program. We spent another year having 1,300 people going through a beta test and got incredible life transformations and testimonials out of that. And then we decided to actually launch it to the public on March 4th. And we have thousands of people going through it right now. What a great time also just coincidentally to launch something. I mean, right before a pandemic hits and people probably <laughs> need something like this. You know, you couldn't have planned that. At least I don't think so. But it seems like a time where people really, really need something like that. Yes. I mean, the one thing that's been so gratifying, I mean, there's been so many challenging things and experiences through COVID and everything else that's going on in the country. But the real shining light for me has been getting feedback from so many of our members of how going through the Made For program, because you do it completely in your own home. I mean, this is not something that you have to do outside of your home each month that they've been able to do it during the quarantine and how it's just giving them so much grounding and something very positive to work on in their life when there's so much uncertainty and stress. And one of the other really interesting things about Made For, and it also is, I think, kind of very radical in this time and age, but once again, the reason we did it this way is because this is what the science told us, is the program is completely analog. So there's no digital app, there's no device telling you how you're doing, Everything you get, everything you need to learn that new habit or practice comes in a made-for kit on the first day of the month. And so we found that people really appreciate that too because there's so much digital distraction. There's so mm. much desire for multitasking. And so this is a little bit of a refuge of they're committing to their own well-being. And so for 45 minutes when they first get the kit and they open it up, it takes about 45 minutes to go through what you're going to do that month. And then usually we're only asking for five or 10 minutes of your day for 30 days to really ingrain that new habit in practice.
And people have really appreciated that. And when we launched it that way, I will say we were like, gosh, this is where the science shows works. But people are so obsessed with all these devices and all these apps. I don't know how people are going to respond. Well, we found that people loved it. Like they had any <laughs> excuse to get off their phone and turn it off or turn it in silent and work on their on themselves for a few minutes a day really has been well received, especially during quarantine as well. There's so much I want to unpack there. It's difficult to even know where to begin, but it does seem like this would be a good place to go ahead and mention that Blake and his team have been kind enough to extend a special offer of 20% off on the Made For program. We're going to give that code at the end of the interview, but you did such a good job explaining the journey and the impact here, and I couldn't agree with all the principles you mentioned. I feel like this is a good time to just let people know that there will be a discount for Made For presented at the end of the interview. And I would say one of the things I love is an important part of habit and life transformation is accountability. And so Mm -hmm. I know you have a really robust community. So one of the reasons we did that and I'm excited about having that code and so more people can afford to do it is really seeing how your community goes on this journey. I know you said that you're going to sign up as well. And it's so exciting for me because I love seeing when people are growing and then they're connecting to each other through that growth and sharing their experiences. And, you know, I got so many years of just incredibly joyful, heartwarming experiences traveling the world, helping children get pairs of shoes that sometimes they've never had through Tom's. But I can say that when I log on, we have a private Facebook community for members. And when I log on and hear some of the people's stories and shoot them a note back or a video back, I mean, there's often, I usually do it on Sunday nights. I mean, there's, yeah, I definitely tear up. I mean, it's it's amazing to see how people, when they start to build some momentum, and that's a big part of made for, and that actually comes a lot from past experiences as a Navy SEAL. They had this belief that you got to crawl first, then walk, then run. And I believe a lot of transformation in life doesn't happen because people try to run too early. And Mm. so made for is all based on very simple baby steps to help you build momentum. And as I see our members, you know, many of them in month four right now, building this momentum, it just gives me so much joy. So I'm so excited that members of your community are not only going to get to do this, but get to do it alongside each other. Yeah. Do it with me, guys. Come on, let's do it. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Well, it's interesting too. So what have you seen around making things stick, like habits and, and how is it working with Made For? Because you mentioned a couple of things. I want to unpack some of these, but I appreciate you sharing your depression diagnosis with us. And as someone who also has been clinically diagnosed with depression in the past, mm. I feel like it's in middle school, high school, crazy years, a lot of emotions, okay. things going on. But one of the things that I kind of realized, I had this moment like three years ago where I kind of like broke down just to be completely honest was I always really sought a lot of my self-worth from external sources, from what people thought of me, from what people, how they treated me, from how people spoke to me, you know, like had all these beliefs that if I didn't do X, Y, Z for every single person in my life, they weren't going to love me and, you know, things would go away. And it's even after realizing that a lot of this happiness comes 
internally, I still have to make it stick, right? Like I'll still find myself like going yeah. out of my way to do something because it's almost selfish because I want that validation that then makes me feel better. It's not it has anything to do with who it is. In the same way, like I'll go through seasons of life where I'll sit down and meditate every day for like 30 minutes and I get like super Zen Buddhist monk and I'm listening to all this music. And then after that, I'll watch a YouTube video or read something and get really into like distance running for a while. Or like sure. I, I bought a compound bow, wanted to get an archery, still never shot the thing. But how do we go about making things stick? And what is the research that you did in developing Made For Show? Because there are so many things, even when it comes to our emotional and spiritual well-being and our physical well-being, mental well-being that we might start, but we basically get a good week or two out of them. We might throw a little money at the self-help industry by buying some books and we're basically the same person. How do we keep from that happening and actually make lasting change? Sure. So this definitely comes back to neuroscience. And I would say like in terms of hobbies, I can't really speak from, a, from an educated place of like your situation with buying a compound bow and not shooting it. Sure, so sure. hobbies is different than I would say habits and patterns. Correct. So in terms of how do you make a new positive habit stick, I'll use like hydration as an example. One of our months, you know, with the basic, basic aspect of human well-being is how hydrated are you? And what a lot of people don't realize is that even a one to 2% fall off on your optimum hydration level can be enough to affect your mood, your sleep, and your energy level. And so there's a very scientifically fine-tuned way to really look at hydration. And we have a whole month that focuses on that. And a lot of it has to do with also like what climate you live in, how much you exercise, even what Mm. type of foods you eat. But I'll use hydration as an example because before Made For, I always thought I drink water and I would go through periods of time where I would drink a lot of water and then periods where I wouldn't. And so it never stuck until Made For. So part of it is, and we've heard this many times before, is you really got to focus on something for 30 days, like with total commitment for it to become form as a habit. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of science behind that. And you can't focus on more than one thing. So you can't be trying to get, say, becoming the type of person that drinks this much amount of water every day and becoming someone who's starting out a new fitness routine at the same time. Mm-hmm. I wish you could, but that's not the way that the brain works if you want it to stick. So the thing is with habits is by doing the same basic thing over and over and over again and this is the most important part, having a, a reward mechanism. So we have a water bottle that has a built-in thing that keeps track of how much you drink in water. You move this bead every time you finish a bottle. You get a dopamine hit every time you move that bead because you're like, oh, I'm accomplishing my goal, these micro goals throughout the day. And then we ask you to write for two or three minutes in your journal of, How did you feel? Did you have more energy than normal? Did you sleep better? And so you got to do something consistently. You've got to see that there's a real reward in it. And that ultimately is how you form a habit. Now, the word habit is so important here because the thing is, is you ultimately don't ever want to have to be thinking about drinking water again. So why people don't necessarily stick to meditation is you know, it feels like something that they're doing. Like they got a scheduled time in their day and it's like an activity somewhat similar to maybe even shooting archery, but probably a little bit easier to stick to. Sure. And so with things that we focus on with Made For, these are habits that once you have ingrained them, 
you're probably not even going to be thinking about them. You're just going to be naturally, just like you naturally brush your teeth, you're going to naturally be a person that carries a water bottle everywhere with you because your brain knows that it feels better when you're drinking more water. And so that's really how things stick versus become kind of these things that we try and then ultimately fall away from. And I do think you could have that happen with meditation if mm. you were getting enough positive biofeedback and you did it at the same time every day. So it wasn't like a scheduling issue. And that's one of the reasons why people don't have things like meditation stick is they just say, oh, I'm going to do it at some point today versus everything. I'm going to do it first thing in the morning. So, but that's really the key to getting things to stick. Yeah, I love it. And it's such good actionable advice too. The idea of having that reward kind of built in, the example of the water bottle is just so easy to understand, but it's so true. I mean, just knowing you're going to be rewarded for accomplishing that goal or taking a step in the right direction really can help you solidify the action you need to take. I'm super curious too. So I was trying to think of ways to kind of phrase this. I'm curious as to like, if you could choose one habit to stick for the rest of your life, what would that be? Hmm. Hmm. Oh, man. I mean, I've already used the water. The water one is so big and <laughs> it sounds water, so simple. Yeah. I'm not going to use that one. But honestly, I would probably say that's the one. Because, yeah. I mean, 70% of our body is water. I mean, there's so much science now that says how so many people are actually chronically dehydrated and they never know it. I mean, it affects every mm. single organ. It affects your mood. It affects your energy. But let's just give a second one then because I'll say that's already a given now. I think the other one that has... Well, here, let me rephrase the question. I'll give you a little more rope here. So okay. I'm curious as to, you obviously take care of yourself. So how do you go about taking care of yourself mentally? And how do you go about taking care of yourself physically? And how has your sort of personal routines and goals and habits bled into the making of Made For? Sure. Okay. So I'll just say is there's 10 months, there's 10 practices. Yeah. I'll pick a mental one and a physical one beyond water that have had the biggest impact on me. Perfect. The physical one is optimizing my sleep. Like I had read sleep books. I'd listened to podcasts on sleep, but until I really got down to the science of the steps and the ways that you can really prepare for the perfect night's sleep. And then also as importantly, how you wake up in a way that doesn't cause your cortisol levels to spike and to really reap the benefits of a good night's sleep, that has had the biggest physical impact on me. And definitely in terms of mood and everything. I mean, like when you wake up feeling refreshed, it is amazing. I mean, I love to drink a coffee here and there, but I used to like need a double espresso within 90 seconds of waking up. <laughs> and now, I mean, I might have like a half calf or usually I'll have some tea, but it's definitely not a need anymore. And that is huge because not only do I feel better, but mentally I'm like, I don't need anything. Like I can go camping and forget my coffee and wake up and feel great and enjoy my morning. And it's there's something really liberating about not having that need. So mm -hmm. sleep was the thing physically. And then I would say mentally is I've always been someone who I would say feels grateful. Like I've always said, I thank people. I'll write a handwritten note here and there. I feel like I've been really blessed in my life. I'm a grateful person. But it wasn't until we started really looking at some of the work from Marty Siegelman about the power of gratitude practice. I think of gratitude practice almost like a yoga practice or a meditation practice. And there's very specific things you can do both in thinking, writing, speaking that help you integrate gratitude 
into your brain in a way that's just incredibly powerful. And so we have a whole month that focuses not just on the basics of like write three things you're grateful for today at the end of the night before you go to bed. There's nothing wrong with that, and that's a great start. But there's some really more specific things that we do that help you kind of rewire the way that you look at positive and negative events in your life. At some point through these practices, you can actually have a negative experience and because of what you've done with this work, actually be grateful to it almost in the moment, if not right after, because you know that in other times in your life when you had a negative experience, it ultimately had a silver lining that you couldn't see then, but you could see 10 years later. And so it's that type of detail that we get into with the Made For program, and that's had a huge impact on me now. I mean, like literally I can... My girlfriend right now, for instance, like she can literally have like this kind of emotional breakdown. And if I stay calm and present, I can actually be grateful that that's happening because I know what that's doing is allowing her to open up and be more vulnerable to me and allowing me to prove my ability to stay strong and clear and with depth and helping her working through something. And I literally could never experience that in the past had I not learned these practices. I think it's so important to, I mean, the two things you mentioned, they're great. I mean, first of all, I'm a sleep nerd. I'm in bed usually most nights if I can by like 930, but I wake up at like 430. I mean, sleep yeah. is something I covet above all. And, and I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Dr. Matthew Walker, but he has some incredible research out there about sleep. Been on the show in the past. Mm. Great, great book. Would highly recommend his work. And the thing, gratitude too, like it's interesting, you know, you, you talk about even being able to be grateful in the face of kind of a quote unquote bad situation because it gives you these opportunities. I think it is, it's an interesting example of how gratitude more so I think than a lot of skills is like a muscle. The more you practice gratitude, yeah. the more you're going to see it. Like I remember there was a couple of years ago, I had an internship in college. I had this mentor during that internship who just really took me under her wing. I mean, I was trying to get a, I love public speaking now. I used to hate it. Terrified me. Yeah. Um, my, uh -huh. big, my big project at the end was to present in front of like the VP of the company. And I was terrified. So like day two of the internship, she had me put together some slides and go stand in Starbucks in the middle of like rush oh busy gosh. time and put up these slides on a little projector and go through my presentation in front of everyone in line that would listen. And it was like, terrifying but by the end of it i like i love public speaking i do to this day and so the other day this is actually about a year or two ago i just called her up i had her number in my phone i called her up and she said hey jamie i just wanted to let you know this is austin you may not even remember me but i just wanted to let you know you made a huge impact on my life and really it's helped shape me into who i am today just thank you and she broke down crying and was just like i don't know what's in the world but like i needed this today like my dad's wow. been sick lately like I'm having problems at home. And it was just such a crazy thing. And, and it was weird how I was like terrified to even do it. But then it makes it kind of since then, I've always tried to express gratitude to at least one person, like outwardly every single day, right? Just like strengthen mm, that. And now it's not even weird. Like I felt like such a weirdo calling her, but now it's like, I'm that kind of guy that'll yeah. be like, hey, Blake. Just calling to let you know, man, I love you, dude. You're doing a great job. And like, you know, some people like really need to hear that. Some yeah. people are still going to tell you a like, muscle, right? yeah, like yeah, what you're smoking, like, Austin. <laughs> uncomfortable the first time you did it, just like when you go to the gym and squat and you haven't squatted in two years, you're going to be sore as hell and it's not yeah. going to be fun. And you're going to be like, I don't ever want to do that again. Gratitude is the exact same way. I'm so glad you pointed that out. 
Yeah. And it's just, it's so important too. I mean, I think what you're doing with Made For and what you've done really throughout the majority of your career is very important because it's something that if you can lead this horse to water and just keep them drinking, eventually they're going to be fine and they're going to be able to grab the reins of their own life. And eventually I assume, you know, after the 10 months, you don't really need Made For anymore as far as the products go. I mean, you've really kind of built these things into your life to where now you should be living optimally. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because it's one of the things that I love is that unlike most companies in the wellness space, and I even hesitate to even say that's where we are, they want to continue <laughs> selling stuff. They want to sell you stuff the rest of your life. I mean, they want to sell you another powder, another mm-hmm. protein, another class to sign up, another retreat to go to. And this just once again goes to kind of the purity of how we built this. And my business partner, Pat, is like, it's a 10-month program and that's it. And people are always like, well, what do you mean? Like like business friends of mine are like, hold on. You have these people who are deeply committed to you, totally connected to your brand, like are having transformative life experiences, and you're not going to give them another 10 months? And I'm like, no, because like <laughs> these are the 10 things that work. This is what we do. And you graduate, and we hope that your experience and you carry it on and you do well in the world. But yeah, I mean, it's, this is not a subscription model. This is a 10-month a program. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that gets confused with a lot of the things that are out there. Yeah, absolutely. So Blake, you've been very generous with your time. I'm going to ask just two more kind of quick questions and then I want to give the code out and then uh, of course, let people know where they can find you, learn more about Made4. I'm kind of a nerd lately. I've always been very intrigued with time management, right? And Mm, I've got a wife and a kid myself. Things are exploding right now on a number of fronts. We're busier, at least I feel busier than I've ever been. But you've worn a ton of hats, right? Written a best-selling book, ran many massive companies, championed social good on multiple media channels. You've gone on several, several media tours. So obviously a very busy individual. How do you go about planning your day to make sure you actually have time to accomplish the things that are going to keep you driving forward? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I have a very high need for freedom in my life. Like if you do any of the psychological tests or Enneagram or whatever, like freedom is so key to me. But what frees me up the most is actually planning and scheduling (laughs) everything. (laughs) So I plan when I'm going to hang out with my kids on my schedule and it's there and it's protected. I plan when I'm going to take time to go for a trail run. So some people that might not work for because they're like, I just want to like be spontaneous and go for a trail run. And I actually plan for spontaneity. And actually the funny thing is, is I'll plan like my girlfriend and I are doing a trip in September. Like we're just not going to decide where we're going to go. We're just blocking off. Like we're going somewhere and we're going to decide a day before because we want to be spontaneous. So you can even actually plan for spontaneity. But in terms of time management, to me, the most important thing, and this goes back to a question you asked at the very beginning about your why is you need to do the work to really understand your mission, your core values, and then ultimately your core values should drive how you're Hmm. gonna spend your time. If I put one of my core values is family first, and the role I play is being an incredible dad, well then that needs to get factored in just as closely as I'm gonna do three podcasts this week for Made For because I wanna continue to help push the mission and reach more people. So for me, before you can really do good time management, you got to have real clarity about what your priorities and what your roles are in life mm. and how much time on a percentage level you want to give to those. And then after you have those percentages of that, then you can start laying out your weekly, monthly, quarterly calendar. And I say just do it with incredible specificity. So then when you wake up in the morning, there's no stress. 
You look at your calendar and that's what you're doing. And if you don't like it, then remember that next time you plan that. So that's the other thing is like, it takes time to realize like, oh, that was a little too much kid time today. Like <laughs> I really need some adult stimulation or sure. gosh, me and my partner, my wife, my girlfriend, whatever, we just aren't feeling connected. Well, let's go look at the schedule. Oh, this month we literally only had one date night and we had one afternoon where we went for a hike. That's clearly not enough for us. So mm. then you you fine tune it as you go. But that's a key thing for me with time management is just really plan and really schedule. Yeah, I love that. That's a take I actually haven't heard in the past. And again, I, I'm going to dig into this whole figuring out my core values thing here later <laughs> on tonight. So you've given me a little bit of homework. I want to pass the baton to you and say, what's the homework that you would give to anyone listening right now that they can act on this week? Something that they can do to improve their lives you know, in the next seven days. Yeah, this is something, it's an easy answer because it's something I committed to last September for the first time and it has had a huge impact and that is commit to a morning routine. Hmm. Now your morning routine could be five minutes or it could be an hour. Mine's about 45 minutes now. But it is something that I am pretty religious about. Now, I would say with some self-compassion, I probably do it five out of seven days a week, but I try to do it all seven days. It's just things happen. But having a morning routine, I think, is once again, we talked about building momentum in your life. Building momentum in your day is so powerful. And so my morning routine is, once again, I wake up. I do not use phones, so I have no distraction. I use an alarm clock, and that's something we get into with Made For. And so my alarm clock goes off. I get up. I do not look at my phone until my morning routine is done. So nothing can distract me from my morning routine. The only thing that distracts me sometimes is my kids wake up earlier than normal, but I've got that pretty <laughs> dialed now. I know the earliest they're waking up is 6.30. So if I start at 5.40, I can get my routine in. And my routine is is to do three cups of tea. I have this beautiful tea kettle that I make some beautiful tea. I pour myself three cups simultaneously. I do it in silence and I really just allow the day to come to me, to me to be open to the day. Then I usually do about five minutes to maximum 20 minutes of breath work or meditation, depending on what your practice is. For me, I've been doing a lot of breath work. I feel that's as energizing as the meditation and also clears my head. And then if I have enough time, the kids haven't gotten up, I try to write in my journal for five minutes, maybe some gratitude stuff or what I'm working on that day or an idea that came to me. A lot of times I get great ideas when I'm doing meditation and breath work, I think, because I'm so clear. And then I'm done. And then the kids get up. Maybe I then start checking email. I just get going. But having a morning routine has made a huge difference in my life. And that's something that we don't necessarily bake into the Made For program. There's pieces of my morning routine that you learn through Made For. But an actual morning routine is something that I think everyone can deeply benefit and you can start tomorrow. I love it. Yeah, being a morning person myself, I definitely rely on my morning routine to keep me sane throughout the day for sure. So, Blake, thank you so much for all the time. This has been incredible. Where can people find you, learn more about Made For, about your work in general and interact with you? Yeah, so the place to learn about Made For or to sign up is at getmadefor.com. So G-E-T-M-A-D-E-F-O-R.com. Like you said, we have created a special code for your community. It's M F 
success. So if you put in MF success at checkout, you'll get 20% off the program. And where you can find me personally is on Instagram. That's pretty much uh, the main outlet for social media and riffs and thinking I have on a daily basis. Awesome. Yeah, we will definitely link that code on the show notes page as well. I love what Deborah did there with MF success made for success. Pretty clever stuff there. <laughs> cool. Well, Blake, thank you so much for coming on the Science of Success. It's been great talking to you and thank you for all the wisdom you've shared today. Awesome. Have a great day, Austin. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to the Science of Success. We created the show to help you, our listeners, master evidence-based growth. I love hearing from listeners. If you want to reach out, share your story, or just say hi, shoot me an email. My email is matt at successpodcast.com. That's M-A-T-T at successpodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I read and respond to every single listener email. I'm going to give you three reasons why you should sign up for our email list today by going to successpodcast.com, signing up right on the homepage. There's some incredible stuff that's only available to those on the email list, so be sure to sign up, including an exclusive curated weekly email from us called Mindset Monday, which is short, simple, filled with articles, stories, things that we found interesting and fascinating in the world of evidence-based growth in the last week. Next, you're getting an exclusive chance to shape the show, including voting on guests, submitting your own personal questions that we'll ask guests on air, and much more. Lastly, you're going to get a free guide we created based on listener demand, our most popular guide, which is called How to Organize and Remember Everything. You can get it completely for free, along with another surprise bonus guide by signing up and joining the email list today. Again, you can do that at successpodcast.com, sign up right at the homepage, or If you're on the go, just text the word SMARTER, S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to a friend, either live or online. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes because that helps boost the algorithm that helps us move up the iTunes rankings and helps more people discover the science of success. Don't forget, if you want to get all the incredible information we talk about in the show, links, transcripts, everything we discuss, and much more, be sure to check out our show notes. You can get those at successpodcast.com. Just hit the show notes button right at the top. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success. Mm -hmm.